and welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My next guest today is no, no stranger to the show, Karen Muldowney, Director of Dynamic Consultant. Uh, Karen, you're very welcome. Uh, it's, been, it's been a few months since we've spoken last. A lot has happened in the construction industry, but one of the most exciting things to happen is that you've launched Dynamic Consulting. So tell us a little about the business. Yes, so I set it up last year. It's just over a year old now. Um, I've been very lucky uh, supporting uh, construction companies at the moment with their bids and tender management. So supporting them with quality submissions that normally go with tenders. Um, at the moment, I think people are really struggling with staff. So that support is helping them and they can kind of manage the, the, and focus on their core business. Um, I support companies in public procurement, so managing e-tenders for them and any of the SAQs that are required through e-tenders. So it's a really exciting time. I'm also supporting companies with sales and marketing plans. So it could be just a one-off sitting around a table, putting the plan and the strategy together or helping them execute it with uh, support through the website, social media management um, and things like that. So, and also not dealing with the construction industry i also do just one-off business plans as well oh very good karen you touched on something really important there and it's something that we've talked about a nice but on the show recently and that is the shortage of staff now we're seeing the shortage of skilled labor uh, for our uh, for our construction clients and audience we hear about it quite a lot so we're hearing about it both on and off site across all levels um mm. but one of the things we haven't really discussed is that we know um, the, the expertise for the bids and tenders, that tends to be the type of expertise that's in high demand during competitive times. So that they're the kind of, uh, they're the kind of professionals that get poached. Um, so it's something that we, it's a problem we know construction companies have right now. Uh, how are you managing or how are your clients managing at the moment? Are they finding it difficult to get is that how you're getting this business? Do the companies not have it in-house? Yeah, um, I think the, the, the problem is at the moment is everybody is really struggling with having staff. Um, and, you know, I've been obviously advising people is that retaining staff is is it's so expensive when, sorry, you can't retain staff ends up becoming such an expense. So, you know, investing in staff and training and development is extremely important. Um, and that's just the advice I can give them. But for myself, I can support them. I've over 15, nearly 20 years construction experience, having been a quantity surveyor, I've worked managed sites. So I have that operation technical background and I have the sales and marketing background. So I can kind of polish it and just put it, present it to them. So again, I can um, just present it to them that they can focus on getting stuff done on site because there is such a shortage within this, the construction bid management, the people that have that technical expertise that want to sit at a table and write these things out because most of the, most people you find just want to be managing the work and getting the work done. And I definitely want to discuss the procurement processes with you uh, for both public and, and private sector work. Uh, but before we talk about that, and, and there's changes to be made, but it's been such a chaotic time in the industry. One of the things we're hearing a lot, uh, both in the media and from the industry, is that 
um, for many people, their pipelines are, are, are quite full of work that maybe, um, you know, they've been, they've been tied into fixed price contracts. So the, yeah. the pipelines are full, but it mightn't be quality. Uh, it mightn't be quality work or it's very tight margin work, ones that are really questionable when it comes to viability now at the moment. How are your clients navigating that? I think they're speaking with a lot of them. I think um, their clients um, are actually very supportive and completely acknowledging the issues with rising costs within construction. It's on every day within the newspaper, whether it be through inflation, through Brexit or COVID. Everybody is aware that material costs have gone up. Uh, clients don't want to be left you know, with a, a contractor who has gone out of business because that's only going to, they're only going to incur costs. So I think there, there is very much a collaborative approach um, and a, a value engineering exercise that's going on and they're appreciating it. And I think that open, honest way is really helping to bring trust and build relationships with within design teams and, and clients and contractors. Um, and I think that's the only way that we're going to, <clears throat> excuse me, overcome the problem is by actually working together. Um, we can see what the government have done with, you know, uh, recognising inflation within public contracts because otherwise we're just going to have a car crash within the industry and, and that's nobody wants that situation. I think that spirit of cooperation is certainly something that our previous guest, uh, Paul Mitchell of Mitchell McDermott, made that point very clearly as well, that most of the industry understand the need for that um, but again, there's going to be, as he pointed out, there's going to be some project owners, they're just not in a position to be flexible. Um, so that's going to make some projects maybe a little bit vulnerable. But let's take a step back to actually our procurement processes. So, you know, you mentioned there that you're working with clients, you, you actually take on that process for clients. How are you finding the, you know, you've been doing this for 15 or more years. How are you finding that process changing? Is it getting better or worse? There's, for me, there's, there's one thing now that I think when we're talking about these material costs, I feel that we're all accepting increases. And I feel that we actually have to start questioning some. I had a conversation with somebody, not a client of mine, who um, had told me that his operation costs have gone down since COVID, since they've brought in the hybrid working model. So his costs have gone down. However, he's applying a 15% increase to his fees. And I'm just, I have to question this, is that are we all just accepting costs, these cost increases and not, you know, ask, asking anybody to justify them and stand over them. And I think that's where I would be, you know, when I'm advising my, my um, clients at this moment in time, question everything. Yes, we know that timber has gone up. Yes, we know PVC has gone up. What has everything gone up, you know, and we, we, we really need to push back on people and get them to stand over their costs as opposed to just saying, well, it's just 15 percent because that's what everybody's doing at the moment. Do you know, that's a really interesting point, because just this morning, um, the latest figures are out for one of Ireland's largest building providers and um, they're recording increased profits over the last quarter of uh i, I think 13 and a half percent um so there there's definitely that shouldn't be happening if inflation was driving all the price increases yeah you know that should, the profit 
should stay quite stationary. The fact that it's increasing by 13.5% means actually there's cream being built up there and it's not being passed down across the industry. But I suppose at an individual level, do contractors, do they feel they have any power and do they actually have any power? I think a lot of people are sort of accepting it. And that's where I suppose I'm getting frustrated saying that we sh- we, we can't accept it all. Do you know, I know, again, we need to lobby the government in regards to these fuel charges costs. What I paid in the petrol pumps this morning, I actually was like, actually just saying, please stop, please stop. And I couldn't believe the cost of my fuel from what it was even two months ago. Um, but we have to do something and the government, and I know the CIF are great at lobbying the government, but we have to, not, we can't just accept all of these costs. And I think there is a little bit of tiredness coming with contractors where I've said, like, when is it going to stop? And they're just holding their hands up going, we don't know. When is it going to stop? We, again, we need to look at different ways of reducing our costs down outsourcing is a great thing you know and I feel that's one of the benefits that I bring to contractors is bringing in that expertise I'm not sitting in their office 39 hours a day but when I am working for them you know it's very um it's quality work that they're going to get from me um and again other things we need to look at is as well as testing the market not accepting the costs is looking at alternative forms of construction or other ways that we can do things and new ways that we can do things. And we're very lucky with the the, the new generation Zs that are coming in. They're, you know, they've never known an industry without the internet. They've grown up on this. So technology for them, we don't even have to ask them to embrace it because they just eat it up. They love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really interesting point about uh, digital natives. But the problem is too many of those are not even considering construction as a career because they don't understand that actually construction is not out on a building site stacking blocks necessarily that actually there's a huge uh there's a huge component of um digital construction and and not just from design but actually we can see that that's progressing now onto site and beyond through the life cycle of property or the life cycle of real estate and across the built environment but that message doesn't seem to be filtered down to the to the next generation and and it's a problem where we might be attracting uh, the engineers who know they have the they seeds of a passion for a career in, in engineering. But for those with a passion for a career in technology, they're just not seeing construction as a natural fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, again, something that, you know, you're only going to get at the grassroots with, with children. But once once people have come out of their uh, technology degrees, again, we can we, we should be maybe going into third levels and explaining this situation to them and, and not focusing on the uh, uh, going into the engineering side of things is, is going into the actual business um, departments within colleges and universities. Yeah. Do you know, one of the things that I, you know, it seems to only ever happen around uh, International Women's Day or something where we actually talk about all of the, and I don't even like the term support because I think support roles is not the right term, mm. but the professional services involved in the delivery of construction services, we yeah. don't talk about those roles enough all year round. And they tend to be wheeled out as 
uh, you know, during International Women's Day or something like that. Uh, but I think we're missing the opportunity to engage the next generation because, quite frankly, we're not showing that the construction industry of today is not the construction industry that people might have taught from their fathers or grandfathers or uncles or anything like that. So there's, there's a massive uh, re-education that needs to happen. And I'm just not convinced that's happening now. But you're right, there's the opportunities for uh, modern methods of construction, you know, are, are vast. But I think Ireland, while it's starting to move in the last 18 months, I think we have been a little bit slow off the blocks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, how is that? How has that been reflected in the? So when you're writing up uh, tenders, how how are you seeing kind of say COVID the the pressures not just from recovering from the crash, then suddenly we're into Brexit, then we're into COVID restrictions, now we've got the war in Ukraine. You know how is this being reflected in the tender documents that you're writing? Well, I, I will, when I'm writing, I'll be writing on a project by project basis. So I'll be looking at the, the uh, what the tender documents have in and what the, uh, what's, what the what their client is looking for. And I help them and just tease it out just to make sure that we're writing a project specific response as opposed to a generic response. Do you know, um, whilst I do maintain bid libraries for companies and and give them that full access to the documentation, um, we don't want to be writing just generic information. We want to show the client that we fully understand what they're looking for and uh, give that back to them with a quality submission. Um, this might be an unfair question to ask. I don't know if you'd even have the information, but do you know your success rate for those? Well, I think, to be fair, I would be just too, too early on in my... Um, because I've gone from doing prequels, really... So really, there actually has been no um, no one getting to site at this moment yeah. in time. So I'm still on that journey. Still on the journey. But I do know what what is what's construction. I mean, construction. I think the conversion rate is is probably one in ten. But I'm definitely I'm passing prequels. You know, passing. I've probably got an eighty percent um, rate of passing a prequel for for a contractor. And I do like to when I look at prequels as well as. You know, I don't just like just doing them for the sake of doing them. If I don't feel that the client meets the full requirements, you know, I'm very open and honest with them to say, well, this is looking for a five million, you know, three projects experiences with, you know, over five million. You don't have this. This is pass or fail. So if I do this, I can't pass this for you. You know, you have to be honest and open and then working with them just to really pull out to see the experience and the level that their, that their staff have past experience and pulling on that. And um, just before we finish up today, what are your expectations, say, around procurement? Because, you know, you, you touched on it there that uh, the state has certainly stepped up to to help um, to help mitigate inflation risks, you know, at a 70-30 at a split. But what what are you seeing say for procurement for the rest of the year because many companies i'm talking to they're putting their heads down now they're just not even engaging and that's very bad for the pipeline of work as well so what are your expectations through your own company for the rest of the year what my expectations obviously i want to um keep growing and retain the people that i have demonstrate to them that i'm bringing quality service to their company and obviously bring on other people. Uh, an area that I really want to focus on though is within the, the subcontractors 
the people that don't have that public experience actually really want to get exposed to it because I feel that is an area that is always very, very important. And whilst maybe certain people, companies don't want to be relying on public works, I always think it's always a great, um, you know, area to stay within. And if things do take a bit of a downturn, you know, we're always going to be guaranteed public money and investment to keep the industry alive because it's such a huge industry and so important within Ireland um, that the government support this. So I always feel that that's something that contractors should always keep their toe in the water within public procurement. But what's holding them back, particularly the subcontractors who don't have experience with public work? Is it the the notion of paperwork? Is it feeling that they don't that yeah. they fit the criteria? It's the inexperience, I think, of public procurement and dealing with e-tenders and the, the the questions that are asked. But again, I'm so used to seeing these and, you know, just I know how to pull these questions out with people and tease it out with people. So I could sit with somebody for 20 minutes and be able to pull a sub quality submission together and get their information out of them. Um, but but uh, I don't think as well, I think the public doing public works is the margins are so low you know the risk is on on the contractor again the government are really supporting and making changes recently with public contracts um but that is i think just it's a historical thing with contractors okay I, I think we still have a tough few years ahead of us, but I'm um, delighted to see that you're doing great work for your clients and we look forward to seeing what you do next within Dynamic Consulting. So uh, thanks, Karen. Thank you so much. My pleasure, as always. That's Karen Muldowney, Director of Dynamic Consulting. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to producer Breed Malloy and the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.